Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey everyone, this is Erica Slater from Heels in the Courtroom. We are taking some time off over the holiday season and hope you are too. We hope you enjoy this throwback to one of our episodes from a previous season. It's one of our favorites. Thanks. Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Erica Slater. I'm Liz Lenevy. Mary Simon. And Amy Gunn. Today's topic is going to be the dreaded life-work balance question. And I can already see Amy cringing because, because <laughs> Get rid it's going to be a yeah. little bit of a Goodbye. spin on that topic. And so I hate here. that phrase. The dreaded question. <laughs> it's because the parenthetical yeah. of that phrase is question mark. Work-life balance? Can I? Should I? How do I do it? And that makes me insane. It is if, if we have to use it because it's out there in the culture, then it should be work-life balance exclamation point. In other words, I can, I am, I do. It doesn't, we do, we can, whatever. It is not something to be scared of. It is not something to all walk out the door and feel like it is a, a challenge for you. Should I tell my story? Tell your story. So I had coffee. This was last fall with a female law student. And she was writing an article about a case that I had and then went up on appeal. And so she she was doing, I think, her law review article on the subject of that case. So we meet for coffee and we chit chat about that. And as sometimes women do, we kind of fall off the topic and start talking about lives and careers and this, that and the other. And she'd said, oh, I'm working for a law firm next summer and it's a larger law firm. And she was non-traditional in the sense that she was already, I think, 30 and married, but no children yet. And she was going to a larger law firm. And she says, and you know what? I'm just, I'm just worried about work-life balance. And in that moment, I just lost it. And poor thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, cause I was like, Little why you know. the blank are you worried about that? I, why? And I, I swear she looked at me like I'd slapped her in the face and it probably was a little bit overwrought of a, ref- of a reaction that I made, but I'm tired of it. I said, where did you learn that? Everywhere. And, uh, yeah. And As she was everywhere. like, she says, you don't know. No, I mean, I, I had a stay at home mom and we talk about it at law school. I said, do you think any of your male colleagues in law school worry about that? And she thought, she thought about it and she said, probably not. And I said, then who has told you you need to? Are you in law school? Yes. Are you working hard in law school? Yes. Are you living your life? Yes. You've married. You have a home. So the only, the only thing, what's happening right now is you are worried about it, overanalyzing it, and you don't even know if it's ever going to be a problem. You don't know that. So why are you worrying about something but that may never happen? And since that time, and, and she was very good about it, and I got a thank you note, so I, I feel like I haven't permanently <laughs> scarred her. But, I mean, I just, ever since then, I've really had a problem with that phrase, and particularly the, the subtext of it, which is, as I said, the, the question mark. Can I do this? Oh, God, should, is this something I have to worry about? Did you walk into law school with all the work you did to get there? All the resources that you've tapped to get there, the money that you're paying, the brain power that you're expending, and and worry like, oh no, what am I going to do when I get out? Can I have a family? 
Can I have a defense of my anxiety here? Okay. Okay. All right. So full disclosure, I am 28 years old. I am peak millennial. And I do worry about work-life balance. I I, I do have a stress about it. And, And I think part of it is because growing up, I've always had, you know, I've had great parents who told me you can do anything a man can you're you're going to succeed you're going to work hard you're going to do great in your career we believe in you and i i have that but i also have society and it's still prevalent it still exists there's a, a million self-help books on it there's a million podcasts on how women can have it all and lean Stop in and all that <laughs> and i don't listen to them but it's still unless i am in a cave there's no way to completely avoid it and so for me as as a woman who has just started her career, I, I still consider myself fairly new, but also as uh, I'm recently married and and we've been talking about a, having a family and and looking at media and everything, it's this idea that I have to be, I have to work twice as hard to get half as much as a man does. So I've got to work harder at work. But also, if if we do have a family, what are my responsibilities? I still have to be super mom. And and I and again, I have a great husband who is incredibly progressive. And, and we've already talked about it. We already split housework 50-50. He's phenomenal. But I still have a feeling that when we have children, I'm going to feel just naturally more responsible for those children not saying he's not going to be a wonderful father I just know that it's going to fall on mom and even if he doesn't have that expectation which I don't think he will because again honey you're great (laughs) but what is everyone else going to believe and I know you shouldn't care about what other people think but it's really tough not to and so that's that's my concern is is how am I going to balance you know working this very tough we have really hard jobs working this really hard job, but also having a family and, and running a household, which is also a very hard job. Children are tough. Well, <laughs> confirmed, you know, you know, something that I think is funny though, is I've had, I'm 27. I've had all the same thoughts that Liz has had, but then I see Amy and think, but Amy's it can be done. So but it can be done. So I think it's funny, you know, Liz and I went to a CLE a couple of weeks ago and it was all male. I think it was an all male. There's one woman on the whole panel and the question mm-hmm. for the only female panelist was, why don't you just talk about work-life balance? No. And Liz and I both just she turned and out. looked at each other because we knew we are Amy Gunn's clerks who have learned like you don't get to worry <laughs> yes, about that. And we don't have to worry about work-life balance. But I think it's it is kind of interesting because I've had the same thoughts as Liz insofar as, oh well, if I have a kid, then am I gonna be months behind my male colleagues who are moving forward with taking depots and having trials where I have to be I don't know however long I have to be out of the office or if something, God forbid something happens and then you physically can't come into work for X amount of time that you don't know about then And if that's something that my male colleagues don't have to worry about, but then I look at attorneys who don't worry about it like Amy and think, why am I worrying that I'm going to somehow fall behind so far that I can't have exactly the career I want, exactly the successes I want and in the time frame that I want them. And so it's, you know, kind of goes back to why this podcast is important to me is I get to hear and see those successes of 
women, you know, ahead of me in their careers doing the exact thing that I am going to do and that I want to do. So it kind of takes away that the worry is that every other 27, 28 year old female attorney has that I've talked to. Erica, you're a new mom. Why don't you tell us about your experience? I am. I have a seven month old. But don't use the term work life balance. I won't. Let's um, think of a different word. Yeah, we a need different phrase. Phrase. Life. We're life. I mean, it's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So I have a seven month old. And also, here's my pro tip marry a woman <laughs> like I did. And then all of your fear. Well, actually, our house is two moms worrying about this stuff right. instead of just one, right. actually. So unfortunately, we don't just redivide into, you know, male and female roles. We're just two moms. Right. But I think that one thing that kind of dumbs this down, and this is a very simple way that I think of about it, and it's the only way I get past it, is worrying about the concept of work-life balance is just the fear of failure, right? You're worried about failing as a mom, your family, your friends, thinking that you are putting your family second, and the also the failure or the fear of failing at work, that your bosses and your colleagues are going to think that you are putting work second or that you're not there enough. And my response to, I'm not great at it yet, but I'm working on it very hard. My response to fear of failure is that I'm always going to fail. And if there is one point in my life that I think I am fail-proof, then I need to quit what I'm doing. And I think the more important thing to focus your energy on is when you fail, how are you going to pick it up? If you've upset your spouse or disappointed your family in some way, how do you deal with those feelings? If you have, if you have had to cut out on something for work, what are you going to do with that? And how do you respond to that situation? And if you don't work with people who are supportive and who will talk to you about that, or if your home life is not supportive and they will not talk to you about that, then those sound like things that need to change. Sounds like you're doing everything right and you're going to fail. So it'll happen. And once you accept it, then it's a lot less scary. So I was at a, a seminar, uh, a panel discussion last week uh, with some women professionals. And this question came up and I was the fourth one to go out of four. And I can't remember the exact question, but as you say, you know, how do you deal with all this? How do you get through it? And, and my answer was fail, fail, fail and survive. Imagine that you fail and you live through it. You fail and your husband doesn't leave you. You fail and you don't get fired. You fail and your child still loves you. And if you do that enough times, which I guess I'm here to say I have, <laughs> And you say, okay, every time that happens, I learn from it. And what I learn is that you keep going. And I learned this early, really in my, in my law career, because we try plaintiff's cases and we lose. We lose these, particularly with medical malpractice. And I don't love that. And I hate talking about that, but you do. And you, and you get up. And you keep going. And there are more people that hire you. And there's more need for people to be represented. And the need never stops. So if you allow that to cripple you, what do you, you can't help anybody. So failing, in my mind, is, as you say, that is part of the solution. 
because you're scared of the unknown. You're scared of the unknown. Everybody's scared of the unknown. Well, if the worst thing that you can think of, you know, within, you know, reason happens and you survive it, guess what? Okay. You feel better. You feel better about it. So I think that, and I do this all the time. I know part of the thing I struggle with that I joke about a little bit is I don't do guilt. I don't do guilt. And it's kind of like when I finally admitted I don't like musicals. It's just, <laughs> I don't like musicals. I'm sorry. I'm un-American. Judge me all you want to. I'm going to that at Lin-Manuel Miranda. Just, okay, that's oh. a, I liked Hamilton because it had cultural significance. Okay. That's why I liked Hamilton. And I still love cats. I mean, so that was you my like first love. some musicals. I guess, but not very many. Yeah. But I mean, and so I think that the more you live, because there's no secret that I'm the elder stateswoman of the group here. <laughs> And of the firm, for that matter, and have been for a long time. <laughs> a season. A season. Whatever. I'm not afraid it's to stay like old. I'm not afraid. Yeah. Like a fine Oh, I wine. like that. I like that. But I think there are pieces in place. And this guilt thing has really gotten me thinking, because where does it come from? People put it on you, and then you need to rethink who you're hanging out with. Or you put it on yourself, and God knows where that came from. But rethink that, because what is the healthiness of that? There's very little. Now, I'm not suggesting don't care about anybody. I'm not suggesting only care about yourself, and I hope that that's not what's coming through. But know your priorities. And and Liz, to your point about, and Eric and I have had this conversation, to your point about, you know, the only thing in your life that you haven't yet balanced is children. That's it. That, you, that's a human being. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you make it they wake up. so easy. <laughs> but they go to sleep. They, they yes. breathe, they eat. It's yes. Cool. And children don't underestimate their innate sense of being loved. You don't have to be there every minute of every day for your child to know that you love them. And when I would go on trips, when my boys, who are now 13 and 16, and they've survived... Y'all, they survived. They're okay. They've they're thrived. pretty We good. can say that. They're pretty good kids. They're cool I'm going to say it. Even though their mother worked full time and they went to daycare. <laughs> they when And I always, I believe in communication. I would leave for work or go on a business trip and I would say, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back uh, in two days or, or in, in one day or I'll be fine. And you'll be fine. And I'll be back. And I'll bring you candy from the airport. And and they're all, they're fine with that. And so I think it's just what, where it comes from. Think about why you have that. And I'm not, I'm not, I wish I could say, don't feel guilty. I mean, I can say that, but it's not going to mean anything until you recognize that you can handle it and it's going to be fine. And it, and it is. Now, I will say that part of what I consider to be my success is my spouse, my husband, Kevin, because, and I, and I think you have to choose carefully, choose carefully. It starts now, choose carefully, because you need a spouse, a partner, whoever, who is going to respect what you do, respect the time that it takes to do it well, and really mean it, and really mean it. And I have that, and I can't dismiss or diminish the importance of that in my life and in, in my success as well. And here's the other thing, trust yourself. 
Trust yourself that you've made good choices up to this point. Trust yourself that you will continue to make good choices. I think that's where women fall short. I think we are very hard on ourselves. We're very hard on each other. And we, for some reason, don't trust ourselves in fully. And that's, I, I think that, and I think that I have the, the, the years of experience to sort of come to these conclusions about, uh, although I don't know that I've ever had much guilt. That may have been something a long time ago. I just rejected entirely. But <laughs> I do think that there's a perspective, and I'll say this about kids, and Eric and I ha- have had this conversation, and Ann Brocklin as well. We've had this conversation over the years, and that is kids bring you perspective. If you've got 12 hours during the day, and you can do whatever you want to with those 12 hours. You might work, you might work out, you might go to dinner, you might clean your house, you might play with your cats, you might do whatever, uh, or your dogs, okay, fine. If you add a baby to that, you're gonna prioritize that baby, and you've got that perspective. So instead of jacking around for two hours doing nothing, you're gonna reprioritize that time and spend it with your child. There's, there is enough time during the day. I, there just, there is. And if there isn't in your life, then you really need to evaluate and you might have to give up. And I'm, I will say, I have given up things in my life. And the first thing you give up is what, ladies? What do you give up first? Yourself. Yourself. You give up yourself. So for many years, I didn't exercise. I would put myself last, which is fine. I mean, you can absorb that for a certain amount of time. And that's, I think that's our fallback position and you shouldn't do that. You should know what makes you happy. You should isolate the things that you enjoy and do those from time to time. Because if you're not happy and you're not healthy, then it's going to be hard to, to encourage other people to do that. So I am here because this is cheaper than therapy. Um, <laughs> but 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 really, this is an incredible, I think, platform for all of us to use to to talk about what our experiences are, to talk about other people's experiences, and to talk about how we can improve that. I, I think that that's really what this podcast should be, is how we can improve lives and, and work environments for female attorneys, for law firms in general, and, and how can we help other women not just survive it, but thrive in those environments. And that's really what I get out of this, because I work with this amazing group of women. I know I am a better attorney because I work with wonderful, incredibly talented, smart, dedicated women attorneys. But that's what I hope to get out of this is to, you know, help me by 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 talking about this in this type of setting, but also to hopefully have an impact on others in in whatever work environment, whether you're in litigation, whether you're in transaction, if you're a judge on the bench, I hope that the judges can listen to this and relate to this because I know that there are female judges with great stories too. And 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 that's what I would like to get out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love sharing stories. That's what we do for a living. We share our client stories. And and it, it might sound a little bit selfish, but I haven't found a platform or a place where I can listen to people's stories as I relate to them. And I don't know what better way to do that than in a podcast of female trial attorneys. I mean, Step into our office. <laughs> yes, that, that is the place to do that. So I'm excited to share our stories with male attorneys, female attorneys, and hopefully we'll get some feedback and get to hear from 
other people that we know, and then maybe we'll be able to share their stories or have them share their stories. And this is, this isn't just a story of who we are and close in next episode. This is a story of who we are and how we put that to practice and how being a woman in this industry, in this profession affects us good and bad and what, what is coming at us in ways that maybe doesn't come at male attorneys and how can we capture those stories, capture those experiences talk to them, talk about them amongst ourselves, help ourselves through that conversation, but also potentially help other people along the way as well. I want the podcast voice that I listen to about trial attorneys to be a female voice. That's why I want to do this podcast. I like that. Absolutely. And we want to cheer you on in your practice because people have cheered us on. Thank you for listening to us today. We really want to keep the dialogue going amongst ourselves and also with any of our listeners. Visit us at heelsinthecourtroom.law for more information or to contact us. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed that encore episode of Heels in the Courtroom, and we will be back after the holidays. Catch us then. Subscribe to Heels in the Courtroom now. And check out the other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury Is Out podcast from nationally recognized attorney John Simon offers insights and mentorship to attorneys who want to stay at the top of their game. Check it out. Check it out.